Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10 as we look at what Christ has done for us on the cross. And we read this morning about a needed sacrifice. At Hebrews 10, verses 4 to 14, and as we open the Scriptures, let's open our hearts to the Lord. Lord, your Word is a solid rock, a solid place to stand. Soften our hearts to receive your Word, a seed implanted in the soil of our heart, able to bring salvation to every one of us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 4, verses 4 to 14, hear the word of the Lord. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will... We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The word of the Lord. Amen. A needed sacrifice. What would you do to set someone free? My wife Abigail was in Nicaragua with us last week and and last weekend, and with the ministry she serves, totally a micro-lending ministry, and Monday she visited a prison in Nicaragua. So the ministry there that she works with is a second chance type of ministry, giving released prisoners a new direction. And and so she visited a, a prison in Nicaragua, and she was on the phone with me and said, Tim... I have just seen the single most difficult situation I have ever seen a human being to be in. You see, in that prison, in one of the cells of that prison, there was a prisoner there who was paralyzed. His whole life is lived on the floor, on the floor of that prison in Nicaragua. What would you do to... What would you do to set someone free? If you could, if it was right, 
What would you be willing to do? Our own uh, global missions team was in Cuba just two weeks ago where our partner church there has growing freedom to worship and do ministry in the name of the Lord Jesus in Cuba. What would you do if you could to, to turn oppressive governments on their head? What would you do to set someone free from addiction, to give them hope that their future could be different from their past? What would you do to create a fresh start for somebody, to, to let them know that they could be free and that everything that they had experienced could be behind them and, and they could live a new life up ahead? What would you do to prove your love to someone that you cherish? How far would you go to prove your love? What would you give for the life of someone you love, for the life of another, to save the life of someone you care about. Friends, Jesus did all these things, all these things. He did them all. And more than we could possibly even come to understand, he accomplished all of them at the cross. Each week we're talking about these layers of victory that Jesus won for you. And I hope that you hang in with this series. I hope you track with this series because I don't know which layer, which part of the victory won by Jesus Christ is going to touch you, is going to to release you in some way, to, to, to lift you up from the burden and to set you free. And, I, and so I want you to catch every one of them because I don't know which one is going to be the one that speaks to you the loudest. But today we start with the main thing, the primary thing. As we look at all these layers, as we walk around and see all these aspects of the victory of Christ on the cross, we cannot forget and we must not set aside for a moment the main and primary truth of the cross. Jesus died on the cross, a needed sacrifice for us. Jesus died on the cross as a substitute. It wasn't his death to die, it was someone else's death. It was the death of another that he took on himself. And Jesus died on the cross. His death was an atoning sacrifice, a sacrifice for atonement. What does that mean? That means it it made up for, it atoned for, it made up for something. It paid some debt. It atoned for sin. It wasn't a a false martyr kind of a thing. It wasn't an attention-grabbing protest kind of a thing. No, it was a needed sacrifice. You know, I reflected this week, if, if I took you back to my office and we pulled every book off of the shelves that had something to do with what Jesus did for us on the cross, you know what? Well, you could dust those shelves, you know, you could, because there wouldn't be anything left. There'd be hardly anything. And the piles of books would be 10, 12 feet high all around us. And you say, I've got eight pages here. I've got eight pages so I, I can't be done. I, we, can't, we can't penetrate all that Christ has done. We can only scratch the surface together. But I so want you to get this today. I so want you to understand this today. I so want you in your heart of hearts and mentally, intellectually, emotionally to understand what Jesus Christ did 
when he gave his body for you on the cross as an atoning sacrifice. This is the core. This is at the very core, at the very heart of what it means to follow Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Jesus died for you as a needed, atoning sacrifice. Verse 10, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And it's critical that we understand why. It's absolutely crucial that we understand why. If we don't understand that Jesus died for us, if we don't come to to fully absorb that Jesus paid the penalty for us on the cross, then you know what happens? We will continually try to make that sacrifice ourselves. If we don't really come to absorb and understand and believe and trust that Jesus has paid our debt in full, then you and I, we will keep trying to pay that debt. We will keep trying to do things to win God's favor when it has already been fully won for us by Jesus on the cross. Jesus has paid it all. He has set you free. Christ died on the cross in atoning sacrifice for our sins. Back in Exodus, God sent ten plagues, ten plagues over Egypt to set his people free. What would you do to set someone free? God sent these plagues, frogs and flies and tainted water and illness, right? And finally, God said, listen, if you don't set my people free, death is coming to you. Really, in a way, God was saying that the death that you insisted on on giving to the Hebrew children, the death that you have persisted in walking in, that death is coming home to you. It's coming home to you if you don't set my people free. But God told uh, his people, take blood from a lamb and put it on the doorframe. Exodus 12, 13, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, the blood. And, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So you can picture, you know, um, the lamb and you can picture the, the bowl with the blood there. Come on, son, let's go outside the front door. Bring the bowl. Bring the bowl with the blood. Bring a brush. And together we'll paint the door. And the blood, it'll go up. And it'll go across. It'll go up. And it'll go across. And son, listen. The curse will pass over. Death will pass over. The wrath of God will pass over when it sees the blood. Why? In Jerusalem, the people of God, the priests, the the, the Levitical priests, they, they would sacrifice animal after animal on the altar as God prescribed. I've sometimes led people through something called the Bible in 90 days. It's a, it's a, it's a practice, it's a challenge to read the Bible in, you guessed it, 90 days. B90X, we'd call it. Because it was pretty serious. It took about an hour to read every day to get there in 90 days. But every time I've led that class, there's one week where everyone would come in and have the same reaction. After reading that part of the Bible, that section of the Bible that week, every time they came in with the same reaction, whoa, that was a lot of blood. That was a lot of blood. 
See, when you read those parts of the Bible about all these sacrifices, it isn't just two turtle doves, okay? It's herds and herds of, of bulls and oxen and lambs and goats, and they just keep coming and keep coming until you imagine that the entire temple mount must have been, it must have been covered with the blood. I'm sorry if that grosses you out a little bit to think about that. But my goodness, the blood. Why so much blood? Why so much blood? Sacrifices of animals could not make up for sin. They could only cover over. They could only promise a a Passover. They could only promise a, a covering over, a temporary covering over the sin. It is impossible, verse 4, for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So you must ask, why do it then? Why, why The people would have asked, why are we told to do this? Why has God told us to, to spill all of, of this blood? Well, and, and remember, they ate these animals. I mean, that's an important point. I can appreciate that, you know. Uh, they ate the good parts. I appreciate a barbecue as much as the next guy. But why But why all this blood? Why so much of it? There are two things that make blood sacrifice and ultimately the cross impossible to understand. Two things. One, if you have not yet come to grasp the gravity of your sin. And two, if you have not yet come to grasp the holiness of the Lord our God. Our sin separates us from God. God made you. God loves you. God never leaves you. God defines his relationship with you as love. The Lord God Almighty, all-powerful, who is free to define his relationship with you however he would like, he has defined his relationship with you as one of abiding, faithful love. And that never changes. It never changes. He loves you. He loves you. And it is our sin that separates us from God. It isn't that he can't see you. It isn't that he can't hear you. It isn't that his arm is too short to reach out and touch you where you are. But it is that he is holy. And you and I, we have sin in us. We have unholiness in us. And holy and unholy can't mix. So what's to be done? Where there's a wage of sin, there's a death that sin brings, and there's life that must be poured out, the lifeblood. God is the author of life, and, and to be apart from God, to be separated from God, to be rushing in disobedience away from God is to be separated from the author of life, and that means that there is a, there, there is a, a death penalty to be paid. Lifeblood must be shed. But by the blood, God passed over. The blood covered over. The blood made it possible for the relationship to continue between God and his people despite the cataclysmic breach in between holiness and unholiness. But it could never get the job done. It could never complete the task. It was never finished 
until the final sacrifice came. I thought about getting a car wash once. (laughs) And I thought, why? I live in Colorado. Right? I mean, you could go get a car wash, you know, and he, but, you know, why, why go? You go get, get a car wash, you go get this, and you try the $6 wash. I mean, that's nothing. That's just a prank. The $6 wash just makes the dirt wet, you know? <laughs> so, of course, you pay for nine or whatever, you know, and wash your whole car off, and then the very next day, what happens? Snow apocalypse, cosmic bomb of whatever, cyclonic snow, destroys everything that you planned and imagined, right? Why get your car washed? It's silly. You live in color. There's a news program in town that tries to give you the car wash prediction. Have you seen this? Is it a good, is it a good day to get your car washed? Well, I can tell you the answer. The answer is no. <laughs> because you live in Colorado. <laughs> well, that's silly, isn't it? That's trite. But it's exactly what, it's exactly what This passage is saying in no uncertain terms about the sacrificial system of atonement through the blood of animals. Verse 11, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. It just goes again and again and again. It's human sin. It's human crimes. Animal blood is not going to take it away. But all that blood, all that sacrifice, it was all just to prepare us, to train us, to watch, to train our eyes to watch. And God told them to do it. God prescribed all of this activity. And it was all just to prepare for the day John saw Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He doesn't just cover over. He doesn't just wash with water. He takes it away. He takes away the sin. All the blood and the sacrifice, incomplete, insufficient, imperfect, was a foreshadowing of what would finally happen when Jesus went to the cross on Calvary. The post went up, and the post went across, and the wood became an altar. And the blood that was shed was the perfect sacrifice made once for all. Amen. Verse 4, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. Animal blood for human sin? No, that's not going to... So Jesus has a human body, flesh, and blood. Verse 6, with burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. It's written about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will, 
my God. What does that mean? Jesus never strayed from the will of God. He never sinned. As a man in the flesh, in his humanity, as a human person, Jesus never sinned. He remained in God's perfect will at every moment. His human will was always pleased to be in perfect submission to the divine will within him. Never did he take a misstep. Although he was tempted in every way, tried in every way, as you and I are, he never, never sinned. He owed not a single debt of sin. And by that perfect will, says the Scriptures, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Jesus died on the cross, a perfect, obedient, atoning sacrifice for sins. He died as a substitute to pay in our place a debt that we could not possibly pay. And why could we not pay? Why could we not pay the debt of sin? Because we ourselves were in debt. And you can't pay a debt when you're in debt. Some of you have tried that, right? Just get the next credit card, the next credit card, the next credit card. It doesn't work. Only Jesus, the sinless one who could possibly pay the debt we owed on our behalf. Only Jesus, you see, only Jesus, debt-free, sinless, could take the debt for our sin upon himself and become a perfect sacrifice. It was a debt that only a human being should pay, but it was a debt that only God could pay. And so God took on flesh in his son Jesus Christ and made once and for all the complete and perfect sacrifice for sin. Not to cover it over. Not to kick the can down the road. Not to temporarily make a difference. But to finish it. To atone once and for all. What would you do to set someone free? Jesus paid, Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. Day after day, verse 11, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest, that's Jesus, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he did what? He sat down at the right hand of God. He didn't stand on and on and on. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. See, Jesus, he secured for you a future you are today living into. Jesus is our high priest. He made the offering. He made the sacrifice once and for all. Once and finished. Once and done. One sacrifice for sins. Other priests, you see, it says they stay standing. Why? Because this isn't going to last very long. I'm going to have to go get the next one right away, so I might as well just stay at it. But Jesus, when he had made the sacrifice on the cross, when we had given his life and poured out his blood on the cross, he didn't stay standing. No, he what? He sat down. It's finished. It's done. It's completed. The sacrifice has been made. Hear me now. 
There is not a sin that you ever have committed or are presently committing or will commit in the future that has not been entirely paid for by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. It's done. It's finished. It's over. The debt has been paid. The only payment, the only sacrifice that could possibly be made has been made. If you don't get this, you see, If you don't believe this, you will continually try to make that sacrifice for yourself. You will be like that priest standing there just trying to do, 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 to make up for, to make up for what is wrong between you and God. What you need to do is turn around and recognize that Jesus has gone to the cross of Calvary. He has made the sacrifice on your behalf. He has finished the sacrifice on your behalf. And it's done. It's finished. It's paid for. You're forgiven. You're set free. Would you like to to continue to live beating yourself up with guilt and shame? Would you like to, to continue to try to make up for your sins? Listen now. I say this in love. I say this in love. If you stay in your guilt, if you linger in your shame, if you don't accept the freedom and forgiveness won for you by Jesus on the cross. Listen. You're only insulting the one who died for you to pay the price. All that he has done, he did to set you free. Now walk in the freedom of forgiveness of your sins. Jesus has made the perfect atoning sacrifice. Now, you may object. You may object that it's, it's gross for God to deal in blood. What a pristine and sanitized world we live in these days. But I ask you, friends, and... and with a seriousness and a reverence, look again at the world in which we live. Look at the, the blood-stained world. See where terrorists have, have taken lives in malls. See where uh, Egyptian Christians have been bombed and killed within their sanctuaries. Look again at where uh, infants, where infants' lives are taken by so-called medical personnel. Look again across at New Zealand where hatred... uh, Friends, we live in a a blood-stained world, and I'm grateful that the Lord knows how to deal in flesh and blood and fight for life. Amen? You might object. You might object... You might object that a loving father would never watch his son die. But remember though, remember the father and the son are one. The father's pain is the son's pain. The son's suffering is the father's suffering. This is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who made the necessary and needed sacrifice. You may object that I say it's moral for an innocent man to die for a guilty one. Have you ever thought about that? That's actually a very good objection. 
You know, imagine if we were in a courtroom together and someone was about to be sentenced for, say, uh, gunning down two innocent teenagers and, and we knew that, that this was, person was guilty. And I came into the courtroom and I said, well, I'll take that punishment on myself. And that person walked out scot-free. Would you then say that justice had been done? No. So how is it then that I stand before you and say that it is just and right and good that Jesus, an innocent one, died on the cross for guilty guilty people. Well, you forget one thing. You see, Jesus, he took our sin on himself. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you follow? Jesus, he he was sinless. He became sin. He died having become our sins. That's the depth of his sacrifice, his passion and his pain. That's the depth of the work of his victory for you. He sinless became our sin. He bore, he himself bore our sins, Peter said later, in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. He died in sin. It just wasn't his sin. It was yours and mine. It was a sacrifice, that death on a cross. Jesus performed a sacrifice there, a perfect, needed, atoning, substituting sacrifice. And I can't take you much further than that. I think just of what the preacher Alistair Begg often says to his congregation, your sensible people, go home and read the scriptures for yourselves and see if these things aren't true. Jesus knowingly, willingly, purposefully took our sins and allowed his body and blood to become a perfect sacrifice to atone for sins. And it's complete. It's finished. You don't, have to, you don't have to worry if there's some un, unpaid debt. You don't have to be anxious about some unresolved conflict or some, some unpaid debt that you have no way of bringing the resources to bear to make up for before God. It's finished. You're forgiven. Nothing that you've ever done or ever will do to shade your relationship with God or to disobey His will or to run opposite of His purposes, either knowingly or unknowingly, Nothing that you ever have done or ever will do can't be forgiven because Christ paid it all. He paid it all. Was it a necessary sacrifice? Well, unless unless we were to remain in our sins, you see, was it a necessary sacrifice? No, not if we were to, to remain in our sins and bear ourselves the responsibility and, and the punishment for our disobedience, but God would not have that. He defined his relationship with you, and he has defined his relationship with you as love, and he would not see you perish, even in your own disobedience and sin. And so he sent his son in the flesh to run ahead of you to the cross to take your death upon himself and pay the sacrifice on your behalf. Was it a needed sacrifice? It was needed. It was needed to get you home. And God purposed and resolved to do whatever was necessary to bring you his grace and his redemption. Oh, beautiful exchange. Jesus took on all that was ours so that we could have all that was his. Walk now in the freedom 
of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for you. Lord, we thank you. What else should we say? What else could we say at the foot of the cross when once we come to understand the depth of your sacrifice for us? Lord, from our hearts, we just say, thank you. We love you. Help us today to follow you in the freedom you have won. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the First Prez Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.